Hey friends, we made it back. Welcome. There is a temptation for many, but hopefully not all of us, when we show up in moments like these to arrive and want all of our firmly held beliefs to be reinforced, to be reminded of all the things we already think, surrounded by people who we assume feel the same way. But perhaps far too often we forget a very important part of the equation. We are imperfect humans, very imperfect humans. So what if every time we showed up in these moments, we did so with sobriety, with humility, with even the willingness to wait for it, be wrong about some of our held beliefs, be wrong even about what we think we know about God, what we th who we think God is, and instead turn to the posture and adopt a posture of looking solely to Him and all His divinity, all his eternality, all his incomprehensible power to shape us, to continue to shape us, to continue to instruct us in the absolute truth that he alone embodies. That is what we are doing here, removing all the other voices competing for our attention to acknowledge that God is who he says he is and not who we think he is. And maybe in that moment, even having an authentic encounter with God. So let's breathe deeply together. Let's breathe in sobriety. Let's breathe in humility. As we turn and worship and sing to and learn from the author of all created reality. Oh 
worship, we want to be people who are offering our entire selves to God, all of who we are, to this God who is merciful and loving and gracious. And part of that offering is confession. It's recognizing our sin and brokenness and then giving that to God, offering that to Him. And we need to see our need in light of who God is. Not only do we confess the ways that we fall short, but we also confess to ourselves and to one another and to God who He is. He's forgiving and merciful and gracious. And we profess that and celebrate that in confession. So God already knows what's on our minds and hearts and He knows our struggles. So we wanna just take some time to come to Him and offer to Him what He already knows and confess who we are and who He is. So we're gonna take some time to do that in silence this morning uh, and uh, just offer this confession to God, whether it be ways that you fall short in thought or word or deed. Let's pray together now. So we're going to just take some time to pray this prayer that's on your screen. And whether you're alone or with your, a group of people, let's actually read this confession together. Father in heaven, we confess that we have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. Thank you for the grace and forgiveness that we have through faith in your Son, Jesus Christ. Help us each day that we might delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your name. Amen.
Our passage today is in James, and we'll be looking at how we're called to confess our sins to one another. So this is James 5, 13 through 18. Is anyone among you in trouble? Let them pray. Is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Elijah was a human being even like we are. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain and it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. Again he prayed, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced its crops. This is the word of the Lord. Well, as we continue this series on the one another's of Scripture, we look at a passage today that actually has two one another's in verse 16, where James says, Confess your sins to one another, and pray for one another that you may be healed. So we're going to talk about that verse this morning. 
First, I just want to acknowledge this comes in a passage that is notoriously challenging to interpret. There's lots of debate on some of, of the verses here and how to understand them. We're not going to get into all of that. We're going to focus in on the, this verse. But let me just tell you, the passage as a whole is definitely about prayer. I see at least three different forms of prayer in this passage. First, verse 13 says, uh, if you're in trouble, you should pray. So we can pray for ourselves when we're in trouble. And then in verse 14, it talks about calling on the elders of a church to pray for somebody who's sick. And the assumption there is they're too sick to come to the gathering so that elders would come to the home and pray over them. And then in verse 16, we get this just general comment that we should confess our sins to one another and pray for one another. So that's what we're going to talk about this morning, confession and prayer to and for one another. And I just want to acknowledge that's probably not something we talk that much about, and it's something we maybe even feel a bit uncomfortable about. You know, our, our Catholic friends have a formal way of confessing sins by confessing to a priest regularly. And as Protestants, we had some theological problems with the role of the, of the priest, which I would agree with. But in many circles, we never really substituted that with any other form of regular confession. And so for many of us, this is something that is just not practiced very much. And so what I want to do this morning is just remind us that it is a very healing experience to be able to confess our sins to one another. And it is such a great privilege to be able to pray for one another, especially in the context of confession. And so I want to start with giving you an image of the Christian community. And it's this image that we are these fellow travelers and that we are moving together towards the light, the light of God's truth, the light of God's grace. First John 1 says this, God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. And then it talks about us as followers of God stepping into the light. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, if we bring them out into the light, he's faithful and just and will forgive us of our sins. Ephesians 5 says this, live as children of light, have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. So we're on this journey together towards the light of God's truth. And what makes God's light actually a healing thing and not a terrifying thing is the fact that we step into it in the context of his grace and forgiveness. And so we don't have to fear exposure because we are under his grace. And what I think is sad in, in the Christian community is that we so often forget that stepping into the light together is a very healing thing and instead we fear it, right? We, we fear exposure. We fear being found out. And the truth is we all have these dark parts inside of us, these things that we struggle with, these these chronic temptations that, that each one of us lives with, and we fear being exposed, right? We fear those being brought into the light. And you think about Adam and Eve. When they first encountered their sin, their gut response was to cover and hide, right? To, to manage their image by putting clothes on and trying to hide this sense of exposure from one another. And this is our temptation. It is to cover and hide from one another and from God. It's to engage in what I call spiritual image management, right? Where we are trying to manage our spiritual image with one another, where we're trying to present the best spiritual image of ourselves to one another. T.S. Eliot has this great quote. He says, we put on a face to meet the faces that we meet. And the idea is, I risk exposure, so I put on a face 
and you put it on a face. And when we get together, our faces talk, our, our images of one another that we want to present talk to one another. And so it's really common in a lot of Christian circles for people to be friends for years or for people to be in a small group together for many years and talk about ideas a lot and have good conversations. And yet people living with these secret sins that never have a chance to come into the light, to experience forgiveness in the context of relationship. And that's a sad thing. And I think the beauty of this passage is, is the truth is we don't have to live that way. That's not how it has to be because we really miss out, I think, on some of the healing that God wants to offer, offer us when we do that. Um, but we're invited into something different. And it's the something of verse 16. Confess your sins to each other and pray for one another so that you may be healed. And so what I want to do for the rest of our time is I just want to talk about the beauty of confession. And I want to talk about the privilege of praying for one another. So first, uh, the beauty of confession. And obviously, you know, we need to use discernment in terms of who we uh, reveal our dark places to, right? We want to choose trusted brothers and sisters in Christ, people who are humble, people who really understand the grace of God. So we want to be mindful of that. But I'll just say, I consider it such a sacred moment when a, a close friend will choose to reveal something about themselves to me, when they, they choose to confess something that they're struggling with or some dark part of themselves. Like when that happens, that for me is this sacred moment that I feel very honored to receive and to hold with that person before God. And I think, you know, we all have those experiences and sometimes that'll happen in a small group. And I love when that happens in a, in a men's group or a couple's group where maybe you've been together for months and you've been talking about ideas, and you've been talking about scripture and theology, and then at some point somebody like gets really real with something that's going on in their heart and their lives. And it's, you know, it, it is this beautiful opportunity is what I would say for a group to decide what kind of a group are we going to be? Like, here's our moment. We, this can get real and beautiful and vulnerable or we can just stay safe with ideas. But I think it's a sacred and beautiful thing when someone is willing to entrust the dark part of themselves to a fellow believer. And what I want to just remind us of this morning is doing that, confessing our sins with a trusted friend, that is so healing both for the person confessing, but also for the person getting to hear the confession. Here's what I mean. It's, it's obviously good for the confessor. Um, unconfessed sin, and I, I really feel this strongly, unconfessed sin is so damaging to the spiritual life. Like unconfessed sin is the devil's playground. He thrives when there is unconfessed sin in our lives. And when we live with these secret sins, we will do one of two things with those sins. Either we will just try to close them off and compartmentalize them from our relationship with God. But the problem is you can't just selectively compartmentalize parts of yourself from God. And so what happens when we do that is we will lose intimacy with God and we will lose joy in our relationship with God when we do that. Or the other option is, is we just sit in, in it and we, we experience the shame and the guilt. And there's so much power to secrecy and to things remaining in the dark. And sin wants to stay in the dark. But we live in this, this shame and guilt. And what's so sad is so many Christians choose to live in that place because it feels safer. It feels less risky than actually sharing with a trusted friend. But it, it is not the place of healing. It's not the place where God wants us. And 
you know, of course, we can we confess we can confess these things to God in the privacy of our own minds. But I just want to remind us this morning: there's something different about speaking it to another fellow Christian, about actually speaking out loud this secret and hearing the words come out of our, out of our mouths. There's there's something powerful about removing the secrecy of it and bringing it out into the light. And then, of course, with a trusted friend who we know loves us, there's something so healing and powerful about watching them love us through it and actually hearing words of forgiveness from another brother or sister that are not just words we're kind of imagining in our own minds, but we can actually hear them out loud. And that's what's the beauty of the body of Christ is we get to be these very tangible expressions of God's love and grace to one another. We get to incarnate His grace and forgiveness. And so that can be such a healing experience and the, the shame and the guilt loses its power when the secrecy is, is removed and we bring it into the light. So it's such a healing thing for the one who confesses. But I think there's something else we need to think about that we don't often think about. And it, it can be such a healing thing for the person who's hearing the confession. Because when I'm vulnerable, it, it obviously it frees up my friend to then be vulnerable too. It makes them feel safe. And I'll just say, I think sometimes we... We don't confess because we think, oh, they won't respect us as much. That, you know, what will they think about us? But I'll just speak for myself. When I have a, a friend who will reveal something dark in them, I actually feel like I respect them more. I, I trust them more. I, I feel better about their spiritual life, not worse about their spiritual life. And then the other thing, the, the thing maybe most importantly is the person who gets to hear this, it is a reminder to them of the gospel of God's forgiveness. To see another friend confess something and to be able to, speak words of forgiveness, reminds me that we both live in the forgiveness of God. And so it's a, it's a reminder of the gospel for me too. Dietrich Bonhoeffer has a great quote. He says this in his book, Life Together. Will not my brother's sin be a constant occasion for me to give thanks that both of us may live in the forgiving love of God? Thus, the very hour of disillusionment with my brother becomes incredibly valuable because it reminds me that neither of us can ever live by our own words and deeds, but only by that one word and deed which really binds us together, the forgiveness of sins in Jesus Christ. And so confession is this moment for both people to experience the gospel together. And that is such a healing experience. So I just want to remind us of the healing nature of confession. And then finally, I want to turn to this idea of the privilege we have to do what Paul says in verse 16 when he says, pray for one another. I think praying for one another is one of the greatest privileges we have as brothers and sisters in Christ to bring another believer before the throne of grace and to ask and to plead to our father on behalf of a brother or sister. I mean, we we do this every Wednesday. I want to remind you, if you haven't joined us, every Wednesday we have two uh, Zoom prayers, one at 7 and one at noon, where a group of us gather over Zoom and we bring you all before the throne of grace. We bring our nation before God. We bring individuals and individual needs before God. And it is such a privilege to join as God's children and to lift one another up and to pray and plead for one another. And I was thinking this week how much joy that must bring God to have one of his sons or daughters 
come to him and ask for something on behalf of another one of his sons or daughters. And I was just thinking, as a father of three girls, I get lots of, I'll call them prayer requests from my girls. I get lots of requests every day, and they're always about themselves. And it would be an amazing thing if one of my daughters came to me and asked for something on behalf of her sister, because she really wanted her sister to have something from me. Like, I can't imagine not answering that. I mean, that would bring me such joy. I'm not sure if it's ever happened, but that would bring me such joy. And so I can imagine the joy that God gets in, in hearing those kinds of prayers for one another and, and his desire to answer them, if, if at all possible. And so those prayers are privileges, but those prayers are also powerful. I think they have a, a powerful impact at God's throne. And that's really the point that James is making here, right? At the end of verse 16, he says, the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective, especially on behalf of another believer. And then he goes on to tell the story of Elijah, who, who you know, was this great prophet, and his prayers actually changed the weather system in Israel for three and a half years. That's a powerful prayer. And, and James's point is actually, hey, he's just a human being. He says in verse 17, Elijah was just a human being, even as we are. There's nothing special about him. But when God's children come to God and, and pray on behalf of one another, surely God longs to hear those kinds of prayers, and surely he delights in answering those prayers. And so I know sometimes we can lose confidence in the power that our prayers can have before God. And the, the sad thing is when that happens in our relationships, when we don't trust our prayers for one another, then we probably just start resorting to just trying to change one another instead and trying to convince one another or in some ways feel like it's on us to change one another. And really, the truth is we really can't change one another. Our, our most effective strategy for one another is going to God in prayer. Again, uh, Bonhoeffer says it this way, Love will speak to Christ about a brother more than to a brother about Christ. It knows that the most direct way to others is always through prayer to Christ. And I love that idea that it, it makes me wonder, am I speaking more to my friends about what I think they need to do and what Jesus wants for them? Or am I speaking more to Jesus about what I'm longing for him to do in them? What a beautiful thing to think about. All that to say, prayer is, is actually the most effective and productive thing we can do on behalf of a brother or sister. All that to say, it's this great privilege. So there you have it. Confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. Let me leave you with this image again. We are fellow pilgrims walking together in the light of God's truth and grace. So let's experience his healing by bringing our darkness into the light. And let's pray for one another as brothers and sisters in Christ. Amen. Well, as true as these words are, it's really easy to keep this conceptual. But the truth is, if we don't have the kind of friendships where this can naturally happen, it will probably never happen. So a question for you to consider then is, do you have people in your life who you can have this type of relationship with? Not just a friend, but a spiritual friend, a friend that you can share your life with, your struggles, your sin, a friend who will be a spiritual encouragement to you. You know, one of the great blessings in my life has been to have friends who we can ask the question, how is it with your soul? Friends who will speak truth in my life, and sometimes hard truth. 
friends who care deeply, not just about their walk with God, but who care deeply about my walk with God. So what would be the right next step for you in this regard? Maybe have relationships already in place that could be these types of friends. And I encourage you to have a conversation with one of them to see if they'd like to share in this with you. And if no one comes to mind, go to the Lord with that need. Ask Him to reveal someone to you who could be this type of friend. We can't do this journey of faith on our own. We need each other. So let's lean into this together. Let's rest in this song of confession together, taking everything from the morning to God's feet, singing together these words. Lord, we need you.
Well, we hope this has been an encouraging time for you, and we invite you now to consider the reflection questions which will be on the screen. And let me leave you with this benediction. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God the Father and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all, now and always. Amen.